I reached out to Reed Expo, who runs the PGA Merchandise Show down in Orlando. I asked them, I said, well, would you consider having a resource section so that all these amazing resources are in one place instead of having it stuck in the middle somewhere and something really grabs your eye, you're going to walk right past them. They weren't walking past us at the show because what we did was we had a simulator that was donated. And I reached out to the troops and I said, hey, anybody who wants to get involved in this, you need to be at the PGA show so that we have a good showing this year. And we probably had 35 adaptive athletes that all have every kind of challenge you could possibly think of. We had amputees, we had several palsy, spinal injuries. We had just about every possible concept of what someone would consider a disability. And we all just were banging balls. We just kept hitting balls the whole three days. And what that did was it stopped people dead in their tracks. And it was a perfect opportunity because the PGA show is about the golf industry. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, and entrepreneurs who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thank you for joining us. And please subscribe, rate, and review the show on either iTunes, Spotify, or our show page at www.mod.golf so you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. I want to take a moment to welcome our Season 4 sponsor partners. We are excited and proud to have Golf Tech as our title sponsor, along with supporting sponsors, Fairway IQ, British Columbia Golf, and Nextlinks. Without their generous support, the Mod Golf Podcast wouldn't be able to bring you these unique golf innovation stories. Our sponsors will also provide you with discounts, promos, and contests all season long, and our title sponsor has one for you now. Golf Tech is pleased to exclusively offer our Mod Golf Podcast listeners $50 off both swing evaluation and tech fit custom club fitting. So go to www.golftech.com forward slash modgolf to book at one of the Golf Tech Improvement Centers located near you. That's golftech.com forward slash modgolf to begin your golf improvement journey. All right, so let's get to this week's show. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Gianna Rojas, who is known as the one-handed lady golfer and is the founder and president of Adaptive Golfers. Gianna is a golf industry influencer, passionate keynote speaker, and ambassador for bringing the game to all different abilities. Gianna, thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Colin, it's a pleasure to be here and an honor. Thank you very much for having me. It is my pleasure. I had the chance to meet you at National Golf Day in Washington, D.C. a couple of weeks ago back in April. And after hearing your compelling story, both personally and your entrepreneurial story, I knew immediately that I had no choice but to have you on the Mod Golf podcast. So, Gianna, let's start our conversation with you telling us a bit about yourself and your early connection to golf. Well, my journey actually starts at birth. I was born with no fingers on my left hand. I was born in 1962 in an era where society and out of the utmost respect and out of the best intentions, society taught children and people not to stare, don't ask questions. And what happened was it actually made me invisible and people like myself that have physically visible challenges. Dad was in the Navy. We moved every couple of years just to compound everything. So being a new kid in that era and having a different ability, I don't like to use, I hate the word disabilities, nothing should be dis. So I grew up teased, made fun of, left out, last picked for the team, or they had then no choice but to have me. I was the last man standing. Right. And, and even right through my uh, middle school years, I remember being locked in a locker for three and a half hours once. Wow. Terrifying, terrifying. 
and then move on through high school. And still the girls were kicking my chair and pulling the back of my hair and people were leaving funny notes that now I embrace, but at the time were, were pretty hurtful. So it was kind of a tough journey. I was very challenged and it was very hard to, at that time, understand why I was going through what I went through. Fast forward, met a beautiful man, my husband. We've been married 32 years. We have two beautiful daughters. We have three grandkids. And my journey started with golf basically because he was playing so much golf with his friends and his friends' wives. They would give me a call when they rounded the 15th hole and say, oh, come on up. Let's come have some lunch. And then sometimes they would go back out and then I would go home. And I started feeling like that little girl again. So I decided that I was going to figure it out. If I could figure out how to raise a family, tie my shoes. Oh, and when I found out I was a grandmother, I had to learn how to crochet and knit. That's a prerequisite. Right. So I just watched a lot of YouTube videos and just figured it out trial and error. And now I make beautiful sweaters and hats for my grandbabies and scarves, much to my husband's dismay because he has to wear them. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I started feeling like that little girl again. And out of some of the research that I was trying to find, I found it difficult to find someone who was teaching people. There was no one out there going, hey, one-handed lady, we could teach you to play golf. I did discover, though, that there are all these amazing organizations and all these amazing resources that really don't get showcased very much. Of course. Absolutely. So I actually, at the time, was a community director for the March of Dimes. I ran the walk at Liberty State Park, and it was my responsibility to bring awareness to March of Dimes birth defects campaign. I did leave out one little part of my story, hate to go back, but as a little girl from 1972 to 1976, I was also the March of Dimes poster child for the state of Florida. Okay. And at that time, they were just coming out of the polio campaign. They had discovered the salt vaccine and eradicated polio. And they were now seeing a big, huge trend in birth defects. And why was there such this big spike in birth defects all of a sudden? Neighbors suggested that my mom bring me down in the March of Dimes. So they brought me in as their poster child. So I was a celebrity before I even knew it. (laughs) (laughs) All over the papers, TV. Actually had a national photo shoot with a young lady that was our national March of Dimes poster child who did have polio. And being in the state of Florida in Seminole County, One of our huge spokespersons and sponsors and supporters was Arnold Palmer. And Arnold Palmer supported the March of Dimes through most of his adult years. I actually had the opportunity to meet Mr. Palmer and sit on his lap as a seven-year-old little girl that had no clue what golf was all about. Never in my wildest dreams what I thought life's journey was going to bring me now to be able to provide inspiration, advocacy, be an ambassador for people who have any kind of challenge. It's not just a physical. There's cognitive, there's sensory, there's health and age-related challenges, illness and injuries. How to use what your abilities are to get that dignity, get that confidence, get that self-esteem, things that if I had known when I was a little girl, they call it bullying now, being bullied, I would have turned around and said, "Um, not today, Mr. Bully. I got to go play golf. Go pick on somebody else. (laughs) It's just that empowerment. And a friend of mine challenged me. She said, Gianna, you have this amazing gift. You're using golf as a conduit to talk about your own birth defect. 
in the meantime, I forged so many relationships with these amazing organizations. I am by far not the first person out there. I am not blazing a trail. What I am doing is being the ambassador and liaison between those amazing organizations and resources and bringing them down to the golfers and bringing the golfers up to those resources. So uh, thus the birth of adaptive golfers. It's certainly a life full circle journey and one that I'm very proud of. Somebody labeled me as going from heartbreak to hero. I'm not sure I've I've reached hero status yet. (laughs) Working on it. (laughs) But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Wow, it's quite the journey already that you've shared with us here, Gianna. Let's expand a bit on adaptive golfers. So what was that inflection point or that aha moment for you, a leap of faith to say, you know what, I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to make this happen. And I guess also for you to think there's so many different directions that you could have gone with this, that it could have been overwhelming to try to, as we say in the startup world, you don't want to boil the ocean, try to do everything at once here to be able to choose the best place to start. So how did you start with uh, adaptive golfers? And really, what was your, your mandate to really get this off the ground and move it forward? Well, I think the aha moment came when I was still working with the March of Dimes. And I live in Northwest New Jersey. And my walk in the community that I was covering, Hudson County, New Jersey, is about eh, on a good day, an hour and a half without traffic, which there is never. Heading towards the city, heading east, trying to get in and out of Hudson County. Sometimes if I have an eight o'clock appointment meeting, I needed to give myself a good three hours so I'd be sure that I wasn't late. So I was kind of moaning and groaning to a good friend of mine. Her name is Pat Roquet. She is the rock star transformation coach. And we were sitting in the diner and I was kind of moaning and groaning. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I love why I'm doing what I'm doing because I figured at that point in my life, I was born to do that. I was born to represent the March of Dimes and the research that they provide because I basically had the chromosomal and genetic testing to find out why. And she said, well, do something about it. And I'm like, ah. I have asked a couple times to get moved to a different county, and they said, because I did such a great job down there, it's very hard to find community directors. It takes a couple of years to get your feet back in. She said, well, just check what URLs are out there. And we sat at the table, and we punched in. um, I think the first thing I punched in was adaptive golf, and it was already taken. So I punched in adaptive golfers, meaning me, the golfer, and she looked over at me and goes, it's available. She said, that's it. That's perfect. She said, because that's what you are. You're not adaptive golf. You're an adaptive golfer. Right. And I was using golf as a conduit to bring that conversation up. So thus adaptive golfers, she said, buy them, buy them, buy them. I think they were like 90 cents. Uh So I got adaptivegolfers.org, .net, .info, and .com. I started with those. It was like $33 for the year. She said, just put it, take it, hold on to it. We'll figure what to do with it. I got them all in. I (laughs) took them right under my arm. I have no idea what I'm going to do with them, but they're mine. (laughs) So you you got them all in. Well, it's interesting that insight that as an entrepreneur, without even maybe thinking that's what you were being at the time, you saw a gap or an opportunity there. And it's the way you actually position that with it being about the golfer, not about the game, Mm -hmm. I think was a brilliant insight for the two of you to come up with in the diner there. Yeah, it's something that actually started happening to me. It's not like you said, I didn't just sit down and say, okay, I'm going to plan this. I'm going to have a nonprofit. And let me see, what are my passions? No, this came because I already had already reached out to all these amazing organizations and they knew me as Gianna from the March of Dimes. Now I'll tell you a quick story how the one-handed lady golfer came up as my personal brand. I am a marshal for the Barclays, now called the Northern Trust every year. Mm -hmm. I started because Hudson County, Liberty National, 
the Barclays. Yes. So I decided I was going to volunteer and I was going to try to win the $5,000 charitable donation for, you guessed it, the March of Dimes for my county. So my husband and I were at the driving range. I said, just take a video of me. I'll throw it up there and see what happens. Mm -hmm. We put it up there. I said, well, people can dump a bucket of ice on their head. Why can't a one-handed lady golfer go viral? (laughs) And then my friend again, Pat goes, you're onto something. Mm -hmm. So we labeled it as one-handed lady golfer. And this thing, maybe not in numbers, but in reach, this thing went all around the world. And I started to get all these responses back, which said, hey, you know what? Maybe I am onto something. So we sat down and said, okay, well, what do I need to do? I wanted to be a hub, a resource hub, and just have resources that people could go to www.adaptivegolfers.org or info or .com. It all pointed to the same thing. And they would be able to see all these amazing organizations that aren't getting showcased. I did the PGA show last year, and there may have been some that were there in prior years. Years, but they were kind of lost in the sea of everything else. So I reached out to Reed Expo, who runs the PG Merchandise Show down in Orlando and also in Vegas. I asked them, I said, well, would you consider having a resource section so that all these amazing resources are in one place instead of having it stuck in the middle somewhere and if something really grabs your eye, you're going to walk right past them. They weren't walking past us at the show because what we did was we had two hitting bays that were donated. Right. We had a simulator that was donated. We had an automatic teen device that was donated. And I reached out to the troops and I said, hey, anybody who wants to get involved in this, you need to be at the PGA show so that we have a good showing this year. And we probably had probably about 30, maybe 35 adaptive athletes that all have every kind of challenge you could possibly think of. We had, of course, myself and my young buddy, Tommy, one-armed. Right. We had amputees, double amputees. We had one gentleman who was amputee in three limbs. We had several palsy. We had spinal injuries. We had just about every possible concept of what someone would consider a disability. And we all just were banging balls. We just kept hitting balls the whole three days. And what that did was it stopped people dead in their tracks. And it was a perfect opportunity because the PGA show is about the golf industry. I did some research and found that there's 57 million disabled people in this country as of the last census. Wow. Now, I know that that number is very, very much higher, especially since this census was done in 2010. 57. So that's, that's one in seven yeah. Americans then, that's, yes. or if not even yeah. more than. Wow. Okay. And that, that's a hard number to wrap your head around. Now you consider all these amazing people that give their life to serve our country and all kinds of things are coming back with all kinds of challenges not just physical, but cognitive. I always say it's PTS. I don't say the D word again. It's post-traumatic stress. There's no disorder. I try to leave that out. But finding that, having an outlet to get that dignity and that self-esteem and that confidence back and feel like you're part of something, that's the way I grew up my whole life. So I related to that initially. And then to hear a couple of these guys say, you know what, golf saved my life. Saved me. I was sitting home, shut in. There's a a statistic out there that 20 a day take their own lives because they let those cognitive voices, they shut themselves in, they get depressed. Mm -hmm. They're asked to do and see things we can't even wrap our heads around. Yeah, the the physical and psychological isolation and that golf has that opportunity to liberate them is powerful stuff. 
powerful stuff. Yeah, it's a beautiful distraction. Now, I did talk to at the show when we met there, Jana. I did have a chance to speak to Steve Jubb, who is I believe the CEO is his yes. title of the National Alliance for Accessible Golf. I just wanted to touch on that because we mentioned this in our conversation before the show about it takes a village no matter what yes. you're doing. And it sounds like yourself with the March of Dimes experience, you actually had built the foundation of the partnerships and the trust that you built to actually get this off the ground very quickly. And it sounds like you have lots of other partners too. I know I'd like you to, to touch on that with the National Alliance for Accessible Golf, PGA Hope, mm-hmm. and a few other ones out there too that are helping to propel you forward. Well, I was very fortunate, not this past year, but the year before, I was invited into a meeting with the National Alliance of Accessible Golf. And I introduced myself and was able to tell my story. I guess that kind of forged the relationship there. And then I was asked to be on their Speakers Bureau. So this past year at the National Alliance of Accessible Golf Conference, which was held on Friday, I gave a presentation along with Mr. Rich O'Brien from PGA Hope of Charleston, South Carolina. And we presented the statistics and numbers, and then we talked about the benefits and talked about uh, how to market something like this, how to be sustainable on something like this. We were speaking to the organizations, the golf industry, giving suggestions. There's things that courses can do to help be a little more accessible to people who have challenges, beginners, families looking to try to help not just bring new golfers in, but also retain those that you have already. We have an aging population in a private club. What do we do? It's very hard to get members to come in now. Do we close up shop or do we take a step back and think about how we can adapt our course and our business model to help retain those ailing or aging or injured members so that they will stay on and also bring in their families. Yes. So some of the things we suggested were things like, how many bunkers do you have? Do you need nine bunkers in front of a hole? It takes $2,500 a year to maintain a bunker. That includes all those soft and tangible costs. It also makes it more difficult for someone who has challenges or is new or is young and just getting started, doesn't have a lot of strength. Maybe they had an injury. So you're going to open your course up and make it a little more accessible. doesn't mean that all courses have to, but they all don't have to keep up with the equipment that's out there either. Because I could tell you, there's some courses that are just, they're just, they could be a lot busier and a lot more accessible. Yeah. How to design your course, weather reliefs, how big do they need to be, those kinds of things. That's on the course side. Right. But then you also got to talk about on the staff side, about educating them to debunk any of the old stereotypes and the old myths that, hey, we're just going to come out there and hack up your course and slow you down. On the contraire, if we don't know what we're doing, why would we be coming out to your course? Yes. So Golf Etiquette 101 is for people with or without challenges. Everybody has a challenge. So it's just respecting that. Right. The other thing we talked about, again, was the benefits, the hand-eye coordination that it provides, the cognitive clearing. It takes so much focus to hit that club onto that ball that everything else has to disappear. So all the craziness and all the voices, they have to shh, quiet. I sound like my quiet please at the tournament. I call myself a professional shusher. So <laughs> uh, there you go. I can either shush them outside or I can help shush them in their heads. Mm-hmm. And the ball in the hole don't care if you roll it with your nose. It does not. Or even if it gets there. You could play it by yourself. You're not throwing a ball, catching a ball. So when I talk to 
PGA teaching professionals, I also run a Train the Trainers, where we're doing our third one on June 23rd here in New Jersey. I've done two down in Myrtle Beach. We'll be doing another one in the fall down in Myrtle Beach and in New Jersey. But what we're doing is we're reaching out to the teaching professionals, the coaches, the physical and, and occupational therapists and specialists and volunteers and aides to use this as a therapeutic activity. So taking the mindset from it being a leisure game or a sport and bringing the mindset into how therapeutic golf is on a physical and on a cognitive level. Right. Just touching on the hand-eye coordination that you mentioned, I have seen videos of your golf swing. I haven't seen you swing in person yet, but I've got to say your hand-eye coordination is off the charts. <laughs> that comes from catching softballs at daddy's game in front of little baby's faces. <laughs> ah, there you go. Your... I can snap up and grab it. I, I don't know why I have that talent. <laughs> that's your training regime. There you go. Uh, and I also have seen videos. You did mention Tommy. Yeah, my little buddy Tommy. At the PGA show. And that is Tommy Morrissey, who's yes. now seven years old, I believe, is yes. a one-armed golfer. Can you tell us a bit about, for our listeners that don't know who Tommy Morrissey is, can you tell us a bit about his story? Well, he, he was down here in South Jersey. They were, his parents and his grandparents were living here. And I actually reached out to the family after seeing him when he was three years old on the internet. And I think it actually was on one of the news stations up here. That's when he met with Tiger, I think, the first time. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Now, my thought at that time when I reached out to him I didn't even know anything about this adaptive golf stuff yet. Okay. That hadn't even happened to me yet. Right. The reason I reached out to him is I wanted to ask his parents if they would be interested in a year or two, I think he had to be five, but just to get the question out there, to present him to the national office for the March of Dimes to be the up and coming national poster child, a little boy with a birth defect that just happens to play golf like I do, although he swings opposite. So we forged a relationship, and like you said, he was at the show this year. Anytime I do anything, I'm always, hey, were you guys around? Are you going to be around? We try to get together. I was invited just before they moved down to Florida. I was invited to go visit with him and his grandparents. We had dinner and, and his parents. We were supposed to do a little bit of a thing for News 12, which is our local news station here. They were going to do a story on both of us. And it turned out to be one of the worst weather days, major storm, hail. We wound up just sitting inside and talking, which actually helped us deepen the relationship that we have. Now, Tommy and his parents have moved down to Florida. They are the most amazing people you will ever, ever, ever meet. From their heart, they have raised this little boy to know that he is absolutely no different than anybody else. I have parents all the time, well, how do I help my child that has this challenge? Just treat them like everybody else. Don't treat them any different. Don't coddle them. Don't, don't, think, don't, don't limit them. Don't think that they can't do something. Put it in his hand. Let him swing at it. And if he likes it, keep doing it. Well, they really have done an amazing job. And at this point, I do believe they have also started a foundation. It's called Unlim, L-I-M-B, Limited. That's right. Unlimited Foundation. Right, right. So I'll, I'll give them a shout out and a quick plug too. <laughs> I, I share the wealth. Trust me, this is not all about, this has nothing to do with me. This is me being able to help more people get inspired by seeing more people like me. You put it out in the universe and the universe usually gives back more than you yeah. can ever imagine. Yeah. So now everybody on tour knows him. Everybody knows Tommy. He calls it his little Nemo nub. Finding Nemo has a little fin that's shorter than the other. <laughs> and actually, that was my very first, what I call, stump bump. 
I hashtagged it. <laughs> so I'm not only a hashtag one-handed lady golfer, I'm hashtag stump bump. I will have to take a look at that one there. You, you also have hashtag giving adaptive golf. Golf to give, yes. Golf to give. Oh, and then you can add hashtag golf and granny. <laughs> I say I'm a hashtag, not an old hag. <laughs> uh, but we are, we are on this journey. I am being led by the universe. I don't have a model to follow after. I'm working with some amazing organizations that have very strategic initiatives, and they need to. And I think the fact that I do not have one particular initiative benefits me because I'm able to take the intake information from this person. And if I don't, somebody does know of all the resources that are out there instead of me just talking to one demographic or one resource. So I guess I'm a matchmaker. It sounds like you're very agnostic as far as embracing the whole spectrum of challenges and abilities, which I agree. I like to call it that. I've had some close friends that have physical and psychological challenges too. And I've always looked at it the best that I can of looking at not what they cannot do, but what they can do. And what, in a lot of cases, I'm sure you see this and you're probably living this. This has actually opened up other opportunities. It's part of your secret sauce. Correct. Your differentiator that gives you a, a competitive advantage in a lot of ways and embrace it. Yeah. And it sounds like, well, I know you have, you will continue to do so, which is fantastic. Well, when we do our adaptive golf player development classes, we started doing those. Uh, Myrtle Beach was the first one in 2016. Again, while I was still working full-time with the March of Dimes, I didn't realize this was going to turn into my life's calling because I thought I was already on that journey. So what we do is we teach the teachers to teach adaptive golf, finding out what that person's abilities are. And then knowing the resources or where to find the resources. And instead of teaching them, okay, well, this is one thing that really upset me when I first started that was really hard for me to overcome. Everybody wanted me to put two hands on the club. Everybody. This is how you hold a golf club. This is how you grip a golf club. This is how you swing a golf club. There's prosthetics out there. My husband was researching, trying to find prosthetics. There's a company called TRS is one of them that makes, it's an adaptive cup okay. that would go onto my hand and then it would have a place for me to thread the butt into the club into so that I would have two hands on the club, but I don't have two hands. So instead of taking that mindset of this is how we teach people, finding out more from the intake information and listening to what the person, well, what can you do? Okay. What's the favorite thing you do? How do you do it? Learning from that way and teaching from that way out instead of here, we need to get you to hold the club this way. I think that mindset is shifting already. There's always been instructors that I've encountered that have always been flexible in, well, you know what? That didn't work. But when I first started this 10 years ago, everybody tried to make me put two hands on the club and have a two-handed swing. Right. And you certainly don't need that. I'm looking at a picture at you right now, freeze frame on your backswing, <laughs> and, and uh, you get after it. Well, I do. I do. Like that. You yes. better hold on. You got a full turn there, and you're not holding back there. You give it a go. <laughs> no, sir. Now, I noticed on your site, you did a session on the World Long we Drive. Did, yeah, in the fall, we actually did yep. one on site there. Yes, we did. Yep. So I am also a division winner for the Para Long Drive. Ah. And what that is, is basically divisioned out, it's flighted out, assisted, unassisted, one-armed, below the knee, above the knee. There's different flights for it. But there is a gentleman by the name of Dean Jarvis who runs the Paralong Drive Cup. And we did the Paralong Drive Cup 2017, August last year at Legends in, in Myrtle Beach. It was the most amazing experience I ever had. I mean, when I tell you I stand over a golf ball, if I know I got to get after it, 
I start hearing ACDC girls got rhythm in my head because that's the ball <laughs> that got to the grid. <laughs> nice. So I could get nice. myself pretty psyched up. But I've also gotten to be, I would say, e-friends with Critter and Lisa Longball. So now another one of my projects or one of my journeys, see where it takes me, Topgolf is doing the shot makers. And I am thinking I have a gentleman that also is from New Jersey. He has both hands with the challenge, but he's already had two hole-in-ones. So I'm thinking that should be my yes. partner. <laughs> I'm loving the story. I know that on Shotmakers, they had in their first season, which they just finished. Yeah. They actually had, I forget the gentleman's name. Yeah. So he, yeah. Chad. he's an Iraq War veteran, okay. I believe, and he lost his left leg, his front golfing leg. He's a single-digit handicapper. He can, he's got some mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Well, you know what? It all is in your head of, I can or I can't. And as soon as you think I can't, you won't. That is the only limitation. The cognitive will get you before the rest of the physical will. You'll figure a way out. If you say I can, I just got to figure it out. So that's one of my nuggets that I like to give out is that turn that I can't into I can and impossible. There is no impossible. It's I'm possible. Love it. You just have to put your head and your mindset into it and just think of the outcome. Don't think about how to get there. The journey will will unfold itself. Mm -hmm. Just keep your eye on the prize. You're just giving us all kinds of great nuggets here. I love it. <laughs> I love hearing stories, and you are a fantastic storyteller. Could you share with us, with the little bit of time we have left here, uh, Gianna, a story, a transformative story that really touches your heart of anyone that's involved in adaptive golfers that perhaps at the beginning resisted or whatever that story is, that there was some transformation that you're really proud of? I'm really glad you asked that. That's perfect. Because I just met this young man. His name is David Finn. He is called Golf Fanatic to the Bones. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's a Phil's fan. <laughs> <laughs> Bonesy and Phil um, have met David a number of times. Most people on the tour have met David a number of times. David is pretty much incapacitated. He has, I believe it's it's a very high stage of, of muscular dystrophy. He is unable to speak. They feed and, and breathe through a trach tube. I got his information from someone here in New Jersey that said, you know what, you got to give this guy a call. Adaptive Golfers has been running a a monthly clinic with the PGA Tour Superstore in Paramus, New Jersey. Everybody's getting a plug. (laughs) They have allowed us to bring in anybody from the community that has any type of challenge. And they donate a couple of their hitting bays, simulators, the training booths. They let me come in and and set everything up. They block off half of the putting green for us. The store is very accessible. People in wheelchairs. It's a controlled environment. It's all level. So it's a very amazing opportunity to be able to share the store with others that way. So we have this connection with David, and I call his father up and speak with him. And at the initial start of the conversation, he goes, Yeah, David loves golf. He lives, eats, sleeps, breathes golf. But I don't think you understand he can't. And I went, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) You need to bring him down. And if you go to my YouTube channel, which is obviously one-handed lady golfer, you will see the video of this. Now, David is very immobile. He's in a wheelchair. They have a trailer for everything else that they have to bring with them for him to breathe and anything else that he might need in any situation. And he's kind of just slumped over in the chair, leaning up against the side. He can move his eyes and his head very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. They set up a little tablet for him and they put a, it looks like a PVC pipe attached to a stylus so that he could pluck out a couple of numbers here and there 
he communicates with his parents, they know exactly what he's thinking right through nonverbal communication. So what happens is we have him come down and his dad brings him down and he goes, oh, we'll see. Sometimes he's not in the mood to try anything either. I said, well, if he wants to try, just let him watch for a little while. So he was just beaming. You could just see him glowing. Wow. We had one of the teaching professionals from the PGA Tour Superstore, Sandra, have him on the putting green. I said, if he wants to try it, let's see. And his dad asked him and, and he lit up. So, okay, he wants to try it. Let's figure it out. So I brought him over one of my special putters that's made by Biomedic. So it's got a 13-degree angle on the hostel already for someone from a seated position would be able to have that club face for the putter parallel to the ground, would lay flat. So we tried that, and it, he can't squeeze the club or hold the club. The angle just wasn't, it was very hard to even assist him just to move it. So we got him a, another putter. And Sandra wrapped his hand around. We tried a glove that has a loop on the back of it called uh, a power glove. Then we tried a grip that had Velcro around it that has the glove that sticks to it. We couldn't get his hand in there because it was contorted. So we just said, okay, throw all that out. Just get a regular putter over here. So what Sandra did was she wrapped his fingers around the top of the club and she held her hand over the top of it. She held her hand on the bottom to use as a pendulum motion so that just he could get the feel of it. Okay. Dad came over and adjusted his head for him and turned his head for him so he could see the hole. And we just kept saying to him, just look at the hole. Just look at the hole. So you could see dad pull him up in the chair and readjust him. And then dad move his head over. We lined it up and he, he went to hit the ball. He missed it. The next ball, it goes in the hole. Wow. His face lit up. Next thing you know... We looked over in the film after, he's reaching for the club. He wants to do it again. So now he's extending his arm and his fingers are going out like, gimme, gimme, gimme. He wants to grab a hold of the club. So we have him do it again. Now he's picking his head up on his own to try to go and look at the ball to see where the ball's going to go. It wasn't all the way up. He laid back down and then the next ball went in the hole again. Fourth time. Fourth one went in the hole one more time. But he lifted his head up by himself. He reached out for the club by himself. And then when the ball went in the hole, he raised his arm and his leg like, yes, victory. So therapeutic wise, if you go back and you look at that very carefully, you'll see first they were adjusting him. Now, if we can get him to come once a month or whatever else it is that he could do, we've got him in a repetitive motion that's maybe he'll be able to move that head up a little bit more. Maybe he'll be able to extend that arm a little more. It's just those small movements. That's all it takes. But even bigger, the movement that happened in him was in his heart. Right. Because as he was leaving the store, I said, look at you, David, golf's greatest fan that never golfed before. Now you're a golfer. Wow. That's it. That's what the whole thing is all about. <laughs> so when that happens, that's the why right there. Well, thank you for sharing that story. That is that is inspiring. I get goosebumps. <laughs> and that truly encapsulates your vision for adaptive golfers to, as you put it, bring the game to all different abilities. That just says it right there. Mm -hmm. And you've accomplished that yep. and continue to do so. Hey, before I let you go here. The Mod Golf Podcast is about the future of golf, so I want to get a couple of things out of you regarding the future. So what's next for you in 2018 and beyond from what you can see? Well, we have, like I mentioned, we're doing a train the trainers, but not just teaching professionals. We're also looking for my volunteer team. I've really only started this full time as of May of last year, so this is just coming up on the year anniversary. 
So on June 23rd, we are hosting a Train the Trainers. If you want any information about that, you can reach out to me at www.adaptivegolfers.org backslash events. We should be posting that up either today or tomorrow. Then my next journey is actually taking me out to Arizona for the National Amputee Conference in Tucson, Arizona. Okay. And that's in July. And then in August, I'll be in Myrtle Beach Barefoot Resort, August 24th through the 25th. That will be the Myrtle Beach Golf Adaptive Long Drive. Okay. We're actually using it as in addition to also the World Amateurs are going to be down there. That's right. So the World Amateur Long Drive, the World Ams, the world's largest 19th hole. We've covered them on the podcast. We had them on as guests. (laughs) So I'll be exhibiting there, but I'll also be hitting in the long drive contest. Actually, just prior to that, I work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I will be in Ridgewood Country Club at the Northern Trust for the FedEx Cup playoffs. I'll be at hole one. So if anybody's out there, come by and see me. All right. I am the professional shusher standing out there with one hand up in the air going, quiet, please. (laughs) So I jump from there, jump in a car on Thursday afternoon, drive to Myrtle Friday morning on the tee box for the adaptive long drive. Then we do the world dams for that week. And then I was asked to go out to the PGA show in Vegas and speak out there. So I will probably be out there for that as well. Stop me when you've had enough. (laughs) Well, that's a good summer right there. You're very busy. I may have a chance to see you at the Las Vegas PGA show. I was at the show in Orlando. I was speaking there. I was moderating what we called the Golf Disruptors panel where I had four of my previous guests on. We actually had a great, lively conversation there about entrepreneurship and the future and innovation of golf. And I'm talking to the PGA show and Reed right now about hopefully being there if needed for Las Vegas. So perhaps you and I will meet each other in short order in the in the summer in August. I think it sounds like another show. It sounds like <laughs> it. a good opportunity for another show. Absolutely. It's a, well, I can talk to you forever. It sounds like we can keep going here, but I just want to ask you one more question here. And this is to do with the future. Yes, sir. What would you like like golf to look like 20 years from now? I would like to see golf courses have resources available to people that want, no matter what their challenges are. Golf courses have solo rider or in their pro shop, they have the grips. There's a quantum grip that has those wraps that Velcro. I would like to see all of those available just like anybody would buy a golf glove in there. I want it to be part of the norm, not a specialty item. I'd like to see people that have challenges themselves or family members or friends or children, especially when it comes to the kids. I want it to be second nature that, oh yeah, there's an adaptive program down the road. We can go to the clinic just like everybody else. I just want to see that transparency that everyone has got what they need and it's not something that's so different. It is now because it's new. It's new to most people, but it's not something that's new. Everybody has adapted their game right from the beginning. Right. Just having that be part of the norm. Yes. I think that's a great vision for us to strive towards over the next couple of decades. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I did see on your website, you do have a John F. Kennedy quote Ah. here that states, one person can make a difference. Everyone should try. And I have to say, 
you are making a huge difference. And it's not just you alone here. The fact that you are now in the position of influence in a positive way of speaking to groups like Top Golf and at National Golf Day and at the PGA show that you're able to amplify your signal so that we can move forward together a lot quicker. So that uh, that 20 year journey you talk about, it sounds like you're ready for the challenge over the next 20 years to get there, that you're not going to be doing that alone. But you are making a massive of difference and the golf industry thanks you society thanks you and i can't wait to meet you in person uh, jana again very soon so thank you very much for being on the mod golf podcast today before i do let you go you did mention a couple of ways that our listeners can get a hold of you but i think there's maybe there's social media you can give us where people can find you there and most importantly please tell us about your ability to accept charitable tax donations and community grant funding through donations Yes. Start with the uh, website. It's again, it's www.adaptivegolfers with an S.org. You can also just Google one handed lady golfer. I'll come up everywhere. Adaptive golfer at adaptive golfers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Facebook is one handed lady golfer and also adaptive golfers. I have a couple of support groups on there as well. LinkedIn, you can go to LinkedIn, Gianna Rojas, and then the company page is adaptive golfers. You can reach out to me personally at gianna at adaptivegolfers.org. You can also call me at 973-632-1321. And yes, we are a fully recognized IRS 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are in the beginning stages of looking for angel investors, supporters, equipment donation, If anybody out there has got a mobile unit, I could certainly use an RV to put all this roadshow that I'm doing in in, in it and and be able to use it as an intake office and and donations. And you can go directly to adaptivegolfers.org. Giving the Gift of Golf is one of my pages there. We accept any type of donation, in-kind donation, venue space. If somebody has a, a venue out there, a driving range, they want to host a clinic, We'd be more than happy to come to them. And then they can reach out to their communities and bring golfers from their own communities so we can help them get started if they'd like to start clinics. Yeah, so there you go. That's wonderful. And I will make a point in the show notes for this episode to include all those links. Uh, Also in your personal bio as a guest for the show, I will include everything that you mentioned there also so our listeners can find any and all of the links that you had just mentioned there. Mm -hmm. So with that, Gianna Rojas... Founder and president of Adaptive Golfers, the one-handed lady golfer, and all-around awesome human being. Thank you so much for, for being here today. This has been inspirational, and I've really enjoyed our conversation. So thanks so much. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. All right. We'll talk soon. Take care. Uh, thank you so much, Colin. I appreciate you, too. Thank you for getting the word out. Bye-bye. All right, sir. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Gianna Rojas, founder and president of Adaptive Golfers. Gianna's inspiring story of kindness, perseverance, compassion, and tenacity is one I'm very proud to have the chance to showcase on the Mod Golf Podcast. You can find links to all the great things that Gianna is involved with on our episode page, including the YouTube video of David Finn sinking his first putt from his wheelchair. Thanks again to our Season 4 sponsor partners Golf Tech, Fairway IQ, British Columbia Golf, and Nextlinks for helping make the Mod Golf Podcast happen. And don't forget about your golf tech offer for $50 off both a swing evaluation and tech fit club fitting, which you can redeem at www.golftech.com forward slash modgolf. Join me next week as we bring you stories from one of the over 900 host locations for the third annual Women's Golf Day held globally on June 5th. 
I attended a Women's Golf Day event in Vancouver to hear from women of all ages and playing abilities what this event means to them. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find more of our golf innovation stories at www.mod.golf or search Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes. And please rate, review, and subscribe to the show while you're there. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now.